0: Arthur C. Clarke said, well, I used to think it was highly probable there was some amount of life somewhere on Mars. And he said, now I'm convinced Mars is riddled with life. Ah. <laughs> Boom. Mic dropped. He was out. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Philip. I started out really loud there, and then I got quiet. Because I'm trying to improve the quality of the sound recording each and week. Is that, is that the way one does it? I discovered that sometimes if I, if I, don't, if I talk too loud, it, it sounds bad. Hmm, it distorts. So, uh, And I think uh, a shout-out to our listeners... I'm drawing a blank on the one uh, Lou. There's a listener Lou who emailed us, complimented us on the show, which we get quite a few of, which is very nice. But also mo- mentioned that uh, this, that my voice trailed off at the end of sentence. That he could only hear the first half of my sentences sometimes.
1: Mm, suspicious.
0: And it drove him crazy. So I'm pleased that he wants to hear twice as much uh, twice as much of me. <laughs> yes. And I will try to improve that.
1: Uh, how are you? Oh, uh, very exciting morning here. Um, well, I guess technically it's an exciting morning on Mars. Right.
0: I think every morning's exciting on Mars. There's just only certain mornings that are exciting to us on Earth as well. Oh, well, that's a fair point, actually. You yeah, know, I th- it's a
1: synergy kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Well, you know, that stuff happens on Mars that we don't care about or we don't know about.
1: More to the point. Uh, yep, that's right. Presumably, um, uh, all sorts of you know music festivals right. and uh, such, right? Yeah. Marzipanooza. <laughs> uh,
0: there was uh, an article in the New York Times, and, and I assume in many other news uh, outlets as well, uh, yesterday about uh, yet again. Possible life on Mars.
1: Yeah, the good old Curiosity rover uh, has found something interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: so what's uh, what what's the highlight?
1: Well, the highlight is uh, smelly gas, actually.
0: Oh, hey now!
1: <laughs> for any of our middle school listeners out there, um, uh, methane specifically. So uh, they found methane. Both in the rocks, kind of buried in the mud, and then in the atmosphere in small quantities. Um, so methane's exciting because usually we see methane generated by living things. Um, in the same way that like oxygen is only generated in large quantities by um, living processes, methane's similar. It's one of these reactive molecules that if you just leave it by itself, um, it'll Bond and do crazy stuff uh, and go away pretty fast So if you find methane hanging out somewhere that suggests that it's being produced in some way right
0: now Actually, I heard it is true that methane actually is odorless but that the power company that we use methane for uh, Gas in our homes Mm -hmm. and I'd heard that they add something
1: to it so that we can smell it Uh, the gas in our homes, that's what you think of as like cooking gas smell. That is an artificial smell added to it. Um, uh, methane as found in its natural form, um, is typically fairly smelly. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if it's inherent to the methane or it tends to be, um, found with other things. Right. Like farts.
0: Yes, we said it.
1: Yes, we said it. Yes. It It was inevitable. Um,
0: See the, the fortunately the your whole sentence was heard there good <laughs> <laughs> because the, the important right. it's part important was the, part that is the last word that's in, right <laughs> in the sentence, so. Um, so does this mean curiosity found farts on Mars um, kind of yeah so the planet either the planet itself mm-hmm. in fact this is sort of the debate is it na- okay. is it naturally occurring or is it
1: living things that are creating this. Right. Is it just a a chemical geological process or is it some kind of critter um, that's producing it? Uh, And here on earth, we've got lots of methane and it's usually a byproduct of living things. Um, It's uh, uh, excreted as a waste item. So, and I think one of the the compelling things, so the argument goes, if there's methane in the atmosphere on Mars and methane in the mud, that suggests that at least at some point in the past, and probably currently at the moment, right. there are some living things producing that methane. Um, but uh, there's a, a detail that I found most compelling, which was that the amount of methane in the atmosphere has a seasonal dependence that is- right when it's when it's warm, summertime, there's more of it and then when it's cold in winter time, there's less of it.
0: So I'm doing my best to not say fart fart. So I just fart 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 fart. I'm trying to get it over your system. Get it. Oh, hey now. Yeah. See, no matter what you just yeah, if you get anywhere near farts, it creates more farts. So uh And if my uh, nephew, um, Ethan, if you're listening, he, I think he's actually, he's uh, 15, I think. So, yeah, he's still within the enjoy, he's really, he's enjoying, fart, 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 okay, good. Now he's going to go home and he's going to tell his mom, my sister, you know, that it's okay to just go fart, 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 because he heard it on Uncle Phil's podcast. Exactly, it's not cool. Just, just among us geeks here on the podcast, mm-hmm. we can do this. We can share. Yeah. It's, it's, for cool. it's for science. It's for science. <laughs> as long as it's for
1: science, you can get away with all kinds of crazy, crazy exactly. stuff.
0: Exactly. So, uh, yeah, the seas on Earth, for instance. Here, here's let's bring this. Uh, you see, uh, if you satellites, which we have, and mm-hmm. aliens, if they had or telescopes, if they could, you know... If you look at the Earth atmosphere, you find methane. Right. But is it seasonal?
1: Um, well, in our modern society, because we've disrupted the natural rhythm so much, mm-hmm. uh, maybe not. But the, the analog would be the amount of um, CO2 in the atmosphere. Right. Uh, and oxygen, which is seasonal, actually. Oh. So... Uh, in the, you know, if you're familiar with the, the Keeling curve, which is the measure of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, and it's important for, for climate change research, mm-hmm. uh, every summer, uh, spring and summer, the amount of, um, oxygen in the atmosphere increases as there's more vegetation that's growing and it produces more oxygen. Right. And then in winter, as that vegetation dies off, it goes down again. Um, so you can actually see this in the two hemispheres of the earth. So in whichever hemisphere it's summer has more oxygen and whichever some hemisphere is winter, there's less oxygen oh. and it, over the course of the year, it switches, right? Balances out between the two hemispheres. Um, so, uh, a seasonal dependence like that we're used to associating with living things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually back in the day, uh one of the back in like the 18th century, I mean a long time ago right um, one of the good arguments for there being life on Mars was actually that Mars did change uh, changed colors in a seasonal pattern. It wasn't right. very dramatic, but the argument was that um, the changing of colors must be um, vegetation growing and dying over mm, the course mm-hmm. of a year mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, And nowadays we know that's the, um, uh, expansion and recession of the ice caps on Mars, right? The, right. The carbon dioxide ice patches got bigger and smaller over the course of the year. Right.
0: And actually, you know, that that wasn't a bad guess, I would think. No, it was you know? good.
1: Right. It was Could've... very... Um, I mean, this is back when Mars was literally just a splotch in the lens of a telescope. Right. So uh, you had to make whatever inferences you could. Right,
0: And I'm trying to think, when was the first time we really knew for sure that it wasn't living uh it was really a large desert
1: well it's um was a story a story it's a story of five or six decades of gradual disappointment Mm. um (laughs) so so by the 1920s and 30s um we're able to take temperature measurements of mars for the first time um and found that it was very cold and we're like yeah well that's not so great but it's not impossible right i mean things right. live in in cold areas uh and then we we become able to measure the uh atmospheric pressure on mars hmm. and find that it's extremely thin um so that's a little harder uh but even come the the viking landers in the 70s um there's most people are thinking there's if if we'll be in luck if there's lichen Like that's the best we could find. But Carl Sagan, actually, ever the optimist, um, argued that they should put a motion sensor on the Viking landers just in case. Yeah. (laughs) There's something moving around. And he actually, he took his, uh, his daughter's pet iguana and had it walk back and forth in front of the camera on the lander to see if it would be able to pick up on something moving. Wow! So he thought there, there might be something moving on that Mars. Wouldn't yeah. get captured by the cameras. Exactly. Yeah, because the camera is designed for um, taking pictures of the landscape. So he wondered, you know, could it be that some little green person walks right by it below but the exposure? The... Yeah, but the exposure time is so long that you just didn't see it.
0: Oh, okay. Now that would be so cool if yeah. that <laughs> uh, if that had actually happened right like you if you see um in the early days of photography, where I, they also had to take long exposures, if they did that for instance in uh on a street, it's possible that there are pe- people walked by the camera, but mm-hmm. the street looks empty yep exactly although you kind of get some little
1: streaks, although I guess. Yeah. I mean mm-hmm. it was kind of a it was a bit of a gag, right? I don't think he right. actually expected any lizards on Mars. Right. Uh but he wanted to to see, right? Let's check it out. What would happen if
0: I like the, the motion the motion sensor, it's almost like a car alarm.
1: Uh, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so your your planetary lander starts uh, beeping and whooping in the middle of the night. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, shut that thing off. The headlights start
0: flashing. <laughs> uh
1: so uh now
0: there is, a, uh, just to touch on it briefly, there is a controversy, and I'm not sure how many people know about this, except for uh, hardcore space fans, certainly as a part of our audience. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Viking Landers, which were in the 70s, I remember that, very exciting, they found something, they found evidence of life, and in fact, using kind of a similar process to what we've used, with the Curiosity used now... Right, like a little oven, like a little holly hobby, <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> uh, bake it oven and found something. But there's great controversy as to whether that was a sign of life or not.
1: Yeah, it's a weird, um, state of things. So, like you said, there's a little uh, on the Viking landers, they have a little biochemistry experiment, and the way it was supposed to work was, uh, there's a little scoop. A robotic scoop, and the scoop would scoop up some soil and dump it into the chemistry set. And then they would dump some chemicals on it and see what came out. And the, the, the it was designed such that if there were organic molecules in this Martian soil, then a particular uh, byproduct would be made that could be easily measured. Right. And it would sort of be this steady amount. And the more you get uh, the more organic matter must be in there. So they expected one of two possibilities, uh, either no reaction, that is no organic material, right, um, or this uh, steady reaction, which would be sort of an expected small amount of organic material. Uh-huh. But instead, uh, what they got was like this off the charts reading. Oh. Like this crazy spike. And that would only make sense if it was like a banana or something. I mean some some incredibly <laughs> <laughs> nutrient-rich thing. Uh which it and the argument goes, which it obviously wasn't, right? It's clearly not the case that the surface of Mars is covered in lush grasses. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. So uh the, the the argument at NASA happened and said, well, uh if it's not so it's not the small amount of organic material we expected, and it's not no organic material, but it's definitely not an enormous amount of organic material. So then you get kind of an out-of-the-box problem. You're thinking, how, what could replicate this same chemical reaction other than tons of organic matter? Um, and their conclusion is actually uh, hydrogen peroxide, you know, the stuff you use to debride wounds and things. Yeah. Um, turns out, hydrogen peroxide would also reproduce the same chemical reaction. Ah. Uh, so the the conventional wisdom it was came to be that the soil on Mars has hydrogen peroxide in it in significant quantities. Wow! And that was not something that like they had to work to find that answer. Exactly. No one was anticipating that.
0: Um, so that's, that's an... weird.
1: You know, you don't walk around on Earth and find puddles of hydrogen peroxide, that's just not a thing that happens. Right.
0: right. But so, and, and they didn't have, a, I mean, I don't, I, I know this must be very complicated stuff, but it feels like they would have had a list of, okay, if this stuff that we're using in the experiment uh, to catalyze some reaction, mm-hmm. uh, if it reacts with these things, like a list of things, then you're going to get some crazy reaction.
1: Um yeah. Uh, so I'm guessing then that list must be so huge.
0: Like hydroxy dioxide right, is when, not a uncommon yeah, thing. When you it,
1: design an experiment, especially one that you're doing from 100 million miles away, mm-hmm. uh, you have to sort out the possibilities ahead of time, right? Cuz oh. the lander has only a certain amount of space right on it. Hmm. Uh, so you have to decide ahead of time the, you know, the five things you're going to test for and then they have um, you know the battle to the death at nasa to decide who gets who gets to pick those five things that's right
0: five uh, five engineer five uh chemists walk in a room and,
1: <laughs> and one, one leaves, leaves. yes <laughs> um it's uh so that's so i'm sure that when those results came back some poor person in the back of the room was like you should have let me put my crazy experiment on and then we would have been able to tell what this is uh, <laughs> uh, yeah yeah no but doubt but they didn't right they only had the tools at hand so there's only so much you can do
0: right and uh so now we come to the current oh here's a question uh why do they have to Add something to the soil. Can't they just look
1: at the soil and see something about it? Without oh yeah, I mean you can just up. passively look at soil, um, but most interesting things can't be seen easily. Uh-huh, uh, right. That is when when chemists analyze something, it almost always involves the destruction of that thing. Uh huh. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. So because they're very,
0: to, they're very. Uh, Uh, they—I don't know—they're brutal. They're they're (laughs) Uh, just—they're non-sentimental. They're not sentimental about that. So the
1: the basic process of chemistry is the bond, right? Uh, Atoms and molecules connect to each other, and the way you usually figure out what's inside something is to break the bond and see what comes out. Mm, Uh, mm -hmm. And in order to do that, that's usually. A destructive process. Uh, yeah. So, if I want to know if there's um, iron in my cereal, right, as the box advertises, right, right. I, I take a chemical that uh, really likes to bond to iron and dump it on the cereal, and probably mix it up, um, right, uh, closely. And then, if there is iron, the iron will bond to that new stuff, and I will be able to look and say, okay. Uh The fact that there is this new iron compound here uh made of the stuff partially made of the stuff that I just put in tells me that there was iron in there before right and so just by looking at the cereal or even using
0: all kinds of different sensors that we could imagine, you can't see
1: the iron it's just too much stuff all mixed up that's yeah that's right i mean there's sometimes you can. You know, there are techniques called like spectroscopy that let you right. Uh, right. look at things from a distance. Uh, that's hard to do with solids, so that works well for gases, mm, for mm-hmm, instance. So mm-hmm, that's how mm-hmm. we can tell, you know, what Jupiter is made of. Right. Uh, but if you give, if you're given a chunk of something, your best bet is to give it to a chemist, and the chemist will dump something on it and <laughs> see what comes off. Right. Uh, and if that doesn't produce anything interesting, they'll dump something else on it, and then right. they'll dump something else on it, and eventually something interesting will be produced. Right. And they say, oh, "Okay, well, I know that I put reagent uh, seven on there, and reagent seven reacts well with copper, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's probably mm-hmm. copper, right?" Right. Um, right. So you also, generally you get eat- a very clear. I mean, it, it,
0: even if at best by looking at it you could see it, it would be so hard, and the indication would be so tiny whereas here with these chemical reactions you get something like really uh but, but for instance i actually remember in chemistry class there was some I, I forget what the experiment was but you um you had a like a glass of something clear and when you mm-hmm. added something to it that was not any another clear thing to it right. it turned blue yeah right exactly oh it would be like the when you test uh, the water in pools right mm-hmm. if no, it's yeah, a, right. <laughs> you, you could test the acidity and it doesn't. It becomes like orange if it's one thing, and blue if it's the other, or mm-hmm. things like that.
1: Yeah. So you need to. So like I said when chemists say something like, "We see iron in this material," what they mean is we've dumped chemicals on it, right? Right. And had stuff come out of it, right? Uh, and we know that that's consistent with the right. existence of iron. Uh, so on the Curiosity probe, there are these little bottles of solvent that they dump onto the soil so they yeah. can see the response see i think most people don't know that yeah.
0: uh because
1: we know the, the rover has
0: cameras obviously mm-hmm. has wheels so it can move around has cameras to see things and see where it's going and uh we know that we we, we understand how uh, they can use different filters to see different things in different wavelengths um and i assume it has other kinds of magnetic electromagnetic sensors for other things, Uh, a thermometer uh, or other ways of testing the weather. Mm -hmm. It's actually got like a shovel to dig and look with the cameras and other instruments at what it finds under the ground. And uh, it has a laser. Not sure how many people know that, but that's pretty cool. That zaps rocks and and actually is a similar process to this, right? Isn't it it, by zapping, by heating up the thing with a laser. Right. And then then you
1: watch what comes off it.
0: Right, right. And inside it, and I guess because it's inside and you don't see it, um, there are little bottles, little vials, little test tubes
1: with a bunch of different chemicals in it. Yep, that's right. And if I remember right, um, the reason this experiment was done now was that the solvent bottle was having some problem. It was stuck or the the lid was frozen or something. Um, And they finally got got it working. Otherwise, they might have done this experiment five years ago or something.
0: Oh I see. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Got it. I, I think some of the data
0: comes from years uh, a couple years ago. Um mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, yeah so- there's
1: actually a few different experiments that work here. Right. right so one right, is right. the soil, one is the air and so on. Right. Um so if we've got these uh and the problem is that if we were, if it was here on earth and we got a suggestive answer like this, said, oh, this, the soil seems to have something interesting in it. Right. Um, we would then get more of the soil and do more tests on it.
0: Oh, yes. And
1: hopefully narrow down what it was made of. Right. Right. Um, and this is like, you know, when you're sick and you go to the doctor and they take some of your blood. Uh-huh. Um, they start looking for things in your blood, but they don't start off just by looking for all conceivable things. Right. right? They, they have a list and they say, okay, most people with these symptoms have these five, uh, diseases. Right. So let's take a little bit of the blood and react it with something that reacts to that particular virus or that particular bacterium. Yeah. Um, and that's why, like, if you're, you know, a patient in an episode of house, They just have to keep (laughs) taking more blood (laughs) because they use up the blood in the process of searching. Uh, So doing a follow-up to this experiment on Mars is going to be hard because we would need to design an entirely new chemistry experiment and send it off. Right. So uh, part of it is that,
0: as you can imagine, I'm guessing, they can only bring a little bit of this, of these test tubes, the stuff Mm -hmm. in them. There's a finite, finite amount of that. And there's a finite set of those. Like, they couldn't bring all possible... uh
1: It's right. totally undoable. Chemicals.
0: Yeah. So it's got whatever it's got, and they can test certain things. And... Um, which explains why. I mean, honestly, I've always found it frustrating, and I'm sure the scientists do too, but, like, each time something goes up, you know, first there was the Vikings, and then there was the Pathfinder, and then... Uh, spirit and opportunity and then curiosity and then there's something else coming next and it's always like well we didn't have the thing that could we're not going to be able to detect life but we're going to get close to it and every single time I'm just like why don't you send the? (laughs) (laughs) just do it right the first time send the thing that looks yeah send the iguana detector
1: (laughs) yeah but it's uh yeah you need to have some information before you can design the next one and like I said, here on the Earth, here on Earth, that's trivial, right? You just go to the closet and you get the next reagent you need for the experiment, right? Um, but if it's a hundred million miles away, and you're like, oh, God, all right, so in twelve years, we'll be able to search for this thing,
0: right? It's a long hike back.
1: Yes, that's right to the supply closet. That's right. Nice. That's right.
0: Uh, and in fact, you can't come back. You just got to wait for the next guy to show up. Uh, right, <laughs> unless you're Mark uh, Watkin. What? What's his name? In Oh, uh, uh, well, Watney. 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 Yeah. yeah. In, in the Martian. So, uh, and also I think that the, that they are that NASA is uh, at a Jet Propulsion Laboratory and 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 everyone that works on these things they're being kind of conservative and and always just saying, look, we're not going to be able to detect life. So that if they do, then they can just say, oh, we did. <laughs> you know, they're, right? They're lowering expectations, basically.
1: Uh, yeah, and there's a there's a deeper conceptual problem here too, which is that um, it's actually kind of hard to know what life is. Mm. In that, you know, you say, "All right, so life is my cat, right? My cat is alive, right? Um, and my umbrella is not." Mm-hmm, you say, "All mm-hmm. right, so what's different about?" the cat and the umbrella. And you say, well, the cat moves around and it eats and it poops and such. And then the umbrella doesn't do any of this thing. Like, okay, fine. Um, So that would be pretty easy to spot the rabbit on Mars. Uh, But then if you get like a mold, right? Mold is kind of harder to tell by looking at that it's alive, right? Right. So uh, we have this division between organic and non-organic stuff, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. once upon a time, was synonymous with life versus not life. Right. Uh, but as chemists got good at taking stuff apart, they realized that organic just means having certain molecules in it: carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, mm. nitrogen mm. molecules. Just there. Right. Uh, so, uh, and they realized that once you take apart those molecules, there's nothing special about those. You can have those same atoms in non-living things right. as well. Um, so plastic, for instance. So reach, I'm sure you're within arm's reach of something made of plastic right oh, now. Yes. So if you touch it, right? Yes. So that's, uh, that is organic material. Okay. Oh. So well, what's, the, yeah, what's the plastic thing near you? Um, well, I was thinking my
0: phone, although that seems to be metal and glass. Oh, yeah, here, here's a pla- So here's like uh, one of these. Oh, that's rubber, actually. Or it right might be here. plastic. This is a thing that holds wires. Oh, here we go—the remote control for the air conditioner.
1: Ah, perfect. Okay. Very important. So, um, if you dropped your, well, if, if a Martian dropped their air conditioner remote control, yes, uh, <laughs> on Mars, and then Curiosity went over and tested it, uh, uh, the and they were just and Curiosity was just testing for organic materials. Right. they would say, "Yes, there are organic materials here." Oh, uh, well, no doubt.
0: If they have an Apple TV on Mars. And anyone who has an Apple TV knows what I'm talking about. The remote in, in, in true Apple form, the remote is a beautiful object. It's incredibly tiny and very thin and super slippery because basically it's meant to find the bottom of your sofa. It seems to be its purpose. <laughs> and uh and, and or get lost, you know. That
1: can, that can be very handy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh it's definitely likely. That if there are aliens, uh, if there are Martians with an Apple TV, they've lost their remote, you know, and maybe it was a long time ago, Mm -hmm. and the curiosity has wandered over and seen that and taken a picture and says, oh, hey, life. And it doesn't, (laughs) by by the way, just to be clear, what you're also saying is that it doesn't mean that, oh, here's a plastic thing, humans, or, you know, living creatures make plastic things, so this is indication of life. You mean the, the substance itself looks like it's alive.
1: Uh, that's right. It is made of the same components that living things are made of. So right. if you're not careful, if you're just saying, well, I'm just looking for organic compounds. Right. So uh, what you want to do is find organic compounds that uh, don't form unless there's life.
0: Right. And it it also doesn't mean that the, um, for instance, it sees the plastic object, it sees the Apple TV remote. It doesn't have to be moving or not moving. It could be a living thing that's not moving, or it could be a remnant. It could have been alive, but it's not alive now, but it still looks like it was a living thing, right? Uh,
1: Yep, that's right. Yeah, all of those are possibilities. The the,
0: the rover is not looking for things that are living at the moment.
1: Mm -hmm. No, that'd be cool, but... Probably not. Right.
0: That's one <laughs> of the things that's like, well, we don't have that yet. Mm-hmm. That I'm saying, what you, send that thing. You know, send the EKG <laughs> heartbeat detector. Uh, uh, right.
1: Yeah. So, so if there are living things, um, they're tiny microbes or whatnot. Right. right. Um, and those are hard to check for remotely, but we're working on it. Right.
0: Now, is it possible? I still don't know the answer
1: to this. Uh, And I know that
0: one of the problems is that uh, problems, well, to their credit, the scientists are conservative in their answers. And so they're they're going to get anytime you start to ask a question like I'm asking, which is, is it possible there are um, animals or or, you know, uh, things that we would obviously say, you know, like even a, a worm. But really, even a worm, we wouldn't be that happy with. I think you mentioned a rabbit. I think mm-hmm. something cute, or, or Carl Sagan's iguana, you know, something cute, something that moves around, so either mammal, lizard, uh, creature, fish, you know, any one of these things. Is it possible that those things exist on Mars and we just haven't found them yet, right? They could be, Mars is not as big as Earth. It's actually only it's third the size of Earth,
1: I think. But uh, Right, it's yeah, it's significantly smaller. Right. So the argument is sometimes made... Uh, let's, let's imagine aliens send a space probe to earth looking for, um, life. Right. Uh, and it happens to land in the Sahara desert. Right. All right. So that is a possibility. Um, but even but there would... things do live, right? I mean, well, yeah, that's right. But you could imagine it sitting there and doesn't see right. anything very interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, you know. The Sahara or Camden, New Jersey, or something, right? right. We're just there's <laughs> oh, nothing interesting. Yeah. Snap. <laughs> uh, but it wouldn't take, uh, but I should say, we didn't um, blindly throw our space probes at Mars, right? We had right. a couple hundred years of experience looking at it right. and deciding, all right, that looks like a place where there might be something interesting. Right. And plopped our stuff down there. Uh, and we've had a handful of probes now in different places. So it's not impossible that, uh, yeah, the probes happen to land in Sah- the Sahara and Death Valley and Antarctica, and that there are these rich islands of life somewhere else on the planet. Uh, but living things don't exist in isolation, right? So even if you were in, uh, Death Valley, you right. would still have, for instance, uh, methane and oxygen floating around in the atmosphere, Right. Um, and even in the worst desert on Earth, there's still going to be microbes um, scattered around the surface, too. Right. right.
0: So, it, here's our what-the-if, actually. It takes mm-hmm. us this long to get to it, but <laughs> the show is called What the If, and here's our what-the-if question. What the if there were animals living in some pocket on Mars and we can't detect them, ah. right? So, so what would yeah. have to be... Mm-hmm.
1: So I think the most likely uh, reason for that would be, as, as I was, you know, we were talking about earlier, when you look for something uh, chemically and just in an experiment generally, you have to kind of know what you're looking for ahead of time. It's very hard to just look for anything. So when we say we're looking for signs of life, we assume we know uh, the basics of what that life is. Okay, right. all right. so so for us that means uh, carbon-based biochemistry, um, uh, DNA, uh-huh. and uh, uh, a respiration system that we're familiar with, right. Uh, right. So we look, actually,
0: uh, I I'll just say one sh- short thing yeah. that that um, there are certain things like it it moves. You know, it, there was it, if there were if we could see them done, problem solved. So sure. what's happening is in this what the if is there are animals on Mars living in a little oasis somewhere, maybe underground, maybe not. but well, hmm. probably actually, let's start with that. I think they would have to be underground at this point. Uh, That seems like because we've surveilled the surface pretty well with incredibly high resolution, right? So, um, and we haven't, you know, in fact, we, I believe, we've studied it so closely. For instance, they count craters, they, I think they even count boulders. You know, they they look, they've looked very, very closely for all kinds of uh, whatever's going on on the surface and have actually seen things like where water, they were like, oh, well, water has flowed here.
1: Yeah, would... yeah. I mean, the scale of that resolution is such that they wouldn't pick up something like a mouse, say. Right, but they might. Right. But, but I guess footprints, for instance, or trails,
0: they would. They might see.
1: But I no, m- would m- imagine m- so, but right. I, w- I could imagine that um, there are significant arguments at astrobiology parties about this. Right, and then yeah. and then and then here we start
0: to go down the road of like using that process of like. Well, we look for things that we know. So, right. for instance, we know that the air on Mars is, I think it's one-tenth of one percent. It's very thin. Right. Yeah. So, there we, there is no animal ever on Earth, as far as we know, that could live in that. There, there's nothing to breathe, right? So, um, uh, that wouldn't be on, it, it'd be extremely unlikely to, to be on the surface, and we've never seen it. So... For sure we know that if there are these animals in this little oasis it's underground and then the question becomes yeah. how what how could they not hide you know how could we find them and so what you're saying is for instance living in they have to live they have to have some food source they have to have an energy source
1: mm-hmm. and, right and, and that's a whole system so you should be able to see the other parts of that uh, but if uh, if the the basic biochemistry of the life was significantly different from ours, we might not know what to look for anymore. Right. Right. Um, so Sagan used to call this the problem of carbon chauvinism. <laughs> <laughs> because we're carbon-based, we assume all other life is carbon-based. Right. Uh, so if you think of the classic Star Trek episode, uh, The Devil in the Dark with the Horda, uh, it's a silicon-based life form. Oh, Remember the horda? I'm trying to remember. Is this old, old Star Trek? Original? This is old, old Star Trek. Yeah. And the horda looked kind of like a big carpet that would uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. shuffle around. Yes. Uh, Spock mind melt with it at one yes, point. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and the idea there was that it, the um, uh, silicon-based life looked so different that we didn't recognize it as alive at all. Right, right. And that's quite possible um yeah. if if something is so different, then uh we're looking in exactly the wrong places for it at that point right
0: so if there's if there's animals uh by, by meaning breathing you know like like we imagine on earth mm-hmm. on Mars, and they were underground, uh some of the things we would need are. Well, water, for instance, water is a big thing, right? And, and, and the, the mantra of NASA, one guiding um, rule or uh, guiding light for their, these missions is follow the water.
1: That's right. Because water is essential for life as we know it. Right. right? Any, yeah. any life that is like us in any way is going to need some water. Right. Uh, but that, that like us clause is pretty powerful. Uh, right, right. Because we don't, we don't know. Right, it might be that all life in the universe is based on something like DNA, or it might be that DNA is one of sixty-seven different kinds of self-replicating molecules. Um, right, and we're right. just one sort. Right,
0: and even to the extent that there could be animals, animal-like creatures that are completely different from us.
1: Maybe right. Silicon-based. This is the, this is the question. It's um, yeah. you know, our sample size for the nature of life is one. Yeah. And it's very hard to extrapolate from a sample size of one to what other possibilities are like.
0: Right, right. And so getting back to, if they were Earth-like living things, for instance, on Europa, the moon of Mm -hmm. Jupiter, one of the icy moons of Jupiter, we believe that there is a, uh, it sounds like they're almost quite certain that there is a, salty ocean underneath yeah. the ice. Now, the ice on top of it may be miles thick, but, you know, there could be a gigantic, maybe even planet-wide ocean. Uh, in Uh And that there could, they, right, they haven't ruled out things, they haven't said, like, you know, and there's no way there are whales or, you know, sea creatures, whales,
1: actually, that's not good because
0: they're mammals, but th- th- there's no way there's sea creatures... We just have no idea. We have to go down there,
1: right? And when we go look for it, when we go look for stuff there, we're going to look for for analogs to stuff we already know from here on Earth. So we're going to look for fish and mollusks, right. uh, and you know, deep sea thermal vent worms because those are things we know. Right. But maybe, you know, like I said if evolution took a left turn up there and there is some kind of sea critter that we can't conceive of because it didn't evolve here on Earth, right. uh, then uh, it'll be very hard to find. Right. But including that we can't see it. Well, see, here seeing is back to, you know, as we said earlier, is that when a chemist says they see something, they mean they take it apart and find something familiar in the remnants of that. Right. So... If we find, if we just see a fish floating around, we're like, okay, there's a fish. Right. Um, but if we take some bit of goo that we find at the bottom of the European Ocean um, and the chemists take it apart, then when they say we see organic molecules, they mean I've taken this apart in a way such that there is stuff left over that looks similar to organic molecules we know. Right. But right. if there's a totally different set of organic molecules, then they won't even be looking for it.
0: Right, 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 right. So, what the, if there are? Again, there are there are things that are once if there there are animals um, that obvi- If we just had a camera in the spot where these animals are, done, problem solved. We we don't yes. even know what they're. <laughs> we don't know what they are made of, and they may be completely different than. You know they may be non DNA based, and who knows what. But they're running around, they're moving, you know, they're eating. They have uh, there's old ones, there's babies, right? It's like a a, a living ecosystem uh, with animals, which means okay. By the way, there would also probably probably be this is the carbon chauvinism, but there would be something that they eat
1: there. Uh, yes, there that's would be right. an I ecosystem. Think, I think, yeah, no matter how much you uh, postulate other kinds of life they have to have some way of processing energy. Um, Otherwise, I don't know. I don't know what existence means if it doesn't involve um, processing of energy. Again,
0: chauvinist (laughs) (laughs) energy chauvinism. Um, But is it so is it possible uh, that they could still be hiding? In other words, it, this is what would need to exist. Underground um, would be, you know, some kind of uh, forest or, you know, like I said, an oasis, you know, maybe there's some kind of food source, some kind of creatures. And uh, for instance, we, on Earth, some of the most primitive is, right, we found um, those smokers at the bottom of the ocean, right? So there's hot vents coming up. And if you had, for instance, something like that, Oh, So warmth is another thing, right? There's some minimum warmth that's got to be there. And again, that could be a chauvinistic thing. Mm-hmm. But um, an oasis has heat, it has water, it has uh, plant life, and it has animal life. and okay. And which involves waste, <laughs> animal waste, and all kinds of things, byproducts of that animal life and it's probably been there a very long time which means seems likely a lot yeah. has accumulated probably unless they kept moving 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 and they've never been in this spot for very long and one of the ways well for instance so methane could they could be making methane yeah. is it possible that that methane is coming from underground um animal
1: populations. Um yeah. I it think still that would is. Be de- sorry, it's definitely possible. Um it's certainly more likely that it's piles of bacteria uh than it is animals per se. Right. Um but I think that's the the kind of vision is that there's uh you know we have this seasonal dependence of methane generation because there's some tiny little living thing that thrives when it's warm. Yeah. And generates methane and then hibernates or dies off uh, when it's cold and therefore doesn't generate methane. Uh, And some, if we were there, we could dig it up maybe.
0: Right. Actually. And I guess one thing I realized too is that wherever there are living things, if there is as complex as, let's say, animals... they began—there has to be
1: bacteria there, as far as we know. You, yeah, sure. that's right. You need the more basic stuff before you can get to the, right. the bigger stuff. So that's
0: why—well, uh, first, first you need certain chemicals. Then those chemicals—the next step of life would be those chemicals become self-replicating cells or, you know, single-cell or multi-cell things. So they could be bacteria and this kind of stuff. That's the first, that's actually the minimum requirement and the most likely thing to find. That's why the scientists are looking for it. Finding animals, for instance, would be like a serious bonus.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would be quite a shocker. Yeah.
0: yeah. And in fact, once they found the animals, they would find that bacteria without a... You
1: know, uh, almost certainly, right? Without if, doubt. If nowhere else inside the animals, right? You're full of bacteria. Right, right. right.
0: So... So, what, So for the general audience, then, what we can say is uh, there may be—everybody agrees, including the scientists—there may be highly evolved creatures of some kind, um, very complex, perhaps of some size, but we have absolutely no idea, and we don't see obvious evidence of that.
1: Yeah, for instance. Okay. Right,
0: right.
1: Um, so they could be hiding out. Yeah,
0: they're hiding out unintentionally. And what makes it incredibly difficult is that like, well, if they're underground already, you've created a serious problem for them. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it would have to be some underground source of warmth. Um. um yeah,
1: but that's um, but that, uh, exists. that happens, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although that warmth is detectable. Uh, yes, that's right. And again, you need to kind of be looking for it, right? Finding underground, underground anything. is always a little tricky. Right. Although I read that the next wave of
0: um, landers, uh, including one, uh, there's a European lander that's going there. If it successfully lands, can dig, I think they said yards, four mm-hmm. yards. Oh I mean, my goodness. Know, that like would be amazing. Meter, you know, like deep underground uh, much more than we can currently which is literally just a scoop i think a few inches below the below the surface yeah
1: yeah so, that would be very impressive
0: yeah yeah and so um what if there were these animals it's a matter of time if they find if if they can be more specific about where methane is coming from Mm-hmm. right yeah, and where to look so they say not just and uh, I don't know what the resolution of this
1: methane detection is. Well, it's always a problem with um, uh, searching for gases, is that by their very nature, they spread out. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's a little difficult to track them down. Right.
0: The farts. We had to come the back farts. to it. Yep, that's right. The farts move around. Everybody uh, knows that.
1: Yeah, that's right, which is why it's hard to tell uh, where they came from, as it were. But the first rover that calls it out did it <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah all the right now all the rovers on mars are looking suspiciously at each other yeah.
0: <laughs> that is awesome that's an excellent <laughs> <introduction>. <laughs> um cool well, i think i uh, arthur c Clarke, one of my favorite right uh writers science fiction writers um, just before he died. And he he knew he didn't have long to live. Mm-hmm. And so maybe he felt even more emboldened than he always felt about making predictions. But they were, um, I can't remember which mission it was, but there was a press conference of the scientists, uh, JPL, showing the latest pictures from that particular um, orbiter and lander and uh, rover. And they had Arthur C. Clarke on the phone from Sri Lanka or maybe on Skype from Sri Lanka where he lived mm-hmm. and uh, was very elderly, couldn't travel and all that. And um, he looked at these pictures they were showing. And uh, I think one of the things they were pointing out was all the evidence of water, you know, on the planet uh, that you you can see river, what's appeared to be river beds that we assume was water
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: and all, all kinds of things like this. Um, And then the rovers were starting to find things. in looking at the ground itself, here's evidence of water having been here on this spot and trickled through the the layers of sand. And he said, well, I used to think it was highly probable there was some amount of life somewhere on Mars. And he said, now I'm convinced Mars is riddled with life. Ah. (laughs) Boom, mic dropped. he was out
1: do that. <laughs> um, yeah, there's something to that, in the sense that uh, you know at least here on earth, life fills all possible niches, right? yeah. Anywhere that anything can possibly survive. yep, uh, it does. So uh, so the argument is sometimes made, and we can call this Clark's argument now, if we want, uh, that or actually we should call it um, the gold bloom argument after (laughs) um, the Jurassic park character uh, is that life finds a way, right? If life can exist at all, it will be everywhere. Right. It's very hard to find a little bit of life. Yeah. Uh, So the universe then would be split into two kinds of places, places where life can exist and does. Right. uh, Or places where life cannot exist um, and doesn't. Right. And so it is possible we can look
0: at those pictures of the planet, both from uh, pictures of Mars from the rovers on, at ground level and from the orbiters looking down at the whole planet and uh, and pictures from the Hubble Space Telescope of it from afar and th- say that it's not an exaggeration to say there may be life all over that planet, some kind of bacterial thing, um, it can't be overwhelming. It's not overwhelming in size, like huge forests covering the surface. Mm-hmm. But that planet could, there could be tons of life there. We just haven't found it yet. That when we find life. Oh, so here's the thing. Here's my last question, actually. This is sort of like the SETI moment, the moment they hear a <laughs> signal, right? When we do get news of definitive, if we get news of a definitive, living we found a living colony of bacteria somethings yeah right uh in this puddle uh on mars then all they have to do is say well where do these conditions exist elsewhere on the planet and odds are it's a lot of places right certainly at the very least almost at that latitude perhaps ringing the planet you know all the way around right yeah so that finding one back one living, and I'm guessing it would be a colony, it wouldn't be one guy hanging out, right. uh, <laughs> would suddenly mean, boom, the entire planet is likely covered with these things.
1: Yeah, that's it. It's, uh, uh, or at least I say that is one way of thinking about life. Right? Um, that's not the, it's not obvious that that's the way it is, that, that Goldblum's law will hold, um, but it might.
0: Right. And 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 by the way, the corollary of Gold, kind of like the laws of robotics that uh, Asimov have, um, Goldblum, Goldblum's law would be, uh, life finds a way, and then number two, is life will eat you. Uh,
1: yep, I think that is a safe corollary. Yeah. Okay. And number three, you won't survive.
0: Oh no, no, unless, sorry. Number unless three, you're just Goldblum. Right, number three, there will be a sequel. Yes. <laughs> Goldblum's laws have been defined right here in the virtual studios of What the If, coming to you from New York City, uh, where there is a, an abundance of life, and uh, you can smell it, <laughs> especially <laughs> yes, here in the especially summertime, especially
1: on summer eves. You know. Yes,
0: yes. Well, this is, this is very exciting. So uh, then, the, the last image I'm, I'm going to leave us with is I mentioned it. it, it perhaps more than once in, in some earlier episodes, but I remember uh, one summer being on Cape Cod with my friend uh, Randy and his family where they had a little house by the beach on the Bayside. And uh, we were sitting around the TV and the uh, news came on that there was life on Mars. And Randy and I, being science geeks, were just riveted and the other people in the room actually paid attention, but more out of that, sort of like we're just, you know, glazed, eyes glazed, but we're watching TV, so we'll just continue to watch the TV. And they reported on, uh, in that case, it was a, possibly we found something in a meteor uh, that had come tomorrow. And that didn't necessarily pan out, but at the time, nobody knew. And so we were just like, this was the news we'd been waiting for. There's life on Mars. There's the news. There it is. Boom, it's on TV. Incredible. And then the anchor people uh, made a joke at the end of the story, like, well, now let's find if there's any life in those Red (laughs) Sox. And one of Randy's uh, aunts stood up and said, well, with that, I'm off to bed. And... Since then, that we've heard, we get this headline every couple of years. It seems life found on Mars, right? Uh, possible life found on Mars, and each time, amazingly, because this is the way science is and nature's tricky, it's, only, it's just another little uh, maybe, you know, and some other indication. Mm-hmm. But one of these days, possibly, that headline: life on Mars. I guess the smoking gun, as it were, will be (laughs) the actual living things, right? Maybe a smoking vent. Mm -hmm. And that is going to be not just, oh, we found a little bit here. It is going to be huge. It would be huge news if you think that life all over Mars is interesting. Oh, yes. Yeah. What the if? I heard people honking outside. Yeah, with excitement. All right. Next week, I don't know what planet will we we will see (laughs) with life. Stay tuned to the news about the Curiosity rover. Very exciting. Send us your ideas for what what questions you have. Where do you think there might be life? What kind of life do you think might exist that we don't think of as life? That's a that's a pretty fascinating question. Mm -hmm. Um, And. follow us on Twitter what the if show we have a giant community there of now more than 12,000 followers Um, whether you're a bot or not a bot (laughs) you know you both both humans and bots are contributing fun things cool pictures uh, funny comments um, interesting science questions science debates that kind of thing and just sharing other science news you find all over the all over the webs and uh, we're on Facebook what the if page, uh, Facebook.com slash What the I believe. And uh we're on Instagram. I post some pictures there, but I've, I've yet to really find a way to put life on Instagram. For us. I don't know. Just posting but you can't respond on either. You know, anyway. Um that's perhaps that's my mind doing. If I have promised you a wonderful puppet. <laughs> Uh, I think some of the people out there might be thinking, I don't know, that these puppets really exist or are they invisible, tangible form? Um, yes, they are, and and uh, by golly, I gotta get, uh, you know, I've never done this before, where I sent out gifts. I have, I have a lot more um, sympathy and admiration for the people who run uh, cereal companies, where you, send, hmm. you Remember, they used to say, you send in your box tops, send in ten box tops or whatever. Oh, I'm right, praying. yes, Frosted Flakes. <laughs> And you will get your gift within four to six weeks or six to eight weeks, right? And I was like, what? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Well, I've taken more than six to eight weeks probably to get some of these people in your puppets. I apologize, but they're coming. And they are made by an amazing company called the Unemployed Philosopher's Guild. And they have a website called philosophersguild.com. And I don't know how much um, philosophic wisdom you can get from that website, PhilosophersGuild.com, but you will laugh a lot and you will find lots of clever gifts honoring all the great people of science and the people of literature and people of philosophy uh, of all different kinds. And um, if you send us an idea that we, if, if we make you an ifer, you will get... A finger puppet of a great scientist or science fiction character to put on your finger and wave around and say, maybe, that's it. I think that's what scientists get to say the most. Maybe. Pretty much better, right? maybe. maybe. What the if it were true. Thank you, Matt. Um, we went a little long today, but I think, um, you know, looking for life, it's not a fast process. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. And I'm sure NASA wishes they found it earlier because every time they have to go back and ask for more money to keep looking. No, well, we haven't found it yet. But, but it's there. So join us next week when you will hear us say what? The. If. 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 if, 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 if. if. Bye now.